Hi everyone, this is Matt Price, host of Dynasty Game Night. My co-host John Bosch and I created this podcast for one reason, to focus on fun. After all, fun is the reason we all started playing fantasy football in the first place. I love games of all sorts, card games, board games, video games, really any kind of game you can think of. So one day, John and I decided it was time for a podcast where we just play games. You might learn something along the way, but you won't find much hard-hitting analysis here. Check out all the other incredible podcasts DLF has to offer for that sort of thing. On Dynasty Game Night, our primary focus is to entertain. So if you like playing games or watching game shows, this might just be the podcast for you. We'd love for you to give it a listen and play along with the contestants and maybe even win a chance to be on the show. Football.com and a DLF family, a podcast. That's Stompy the Bear. Why am I Stompy the Bear now? You had that because that's your that's your song, remember? Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, I that wasn't supposed to be my intro, but you and I can just start off the bat. You wasted argue. it. Ar- no, we're, we're starting off the bat. Argued. What I was going to say is no. You wasted guess, your no, intro. Guess on what? That. Guess, I I'm much I'm question. much louder than you. That's that's no bullshit. We can't but, argue. That. <laughs> coach speak is coach speak in the off season, regardless of whether you want to believe it or not, or whether which part of it you want to believe. So, how about we stop paying attention to coach speak? That's too long. It does way too long. No, you're you're too long. Shut up. <laughs> Go on to your next. That's what she said. That's Meatloaf Wildcat Brian Har. I am so full right now. I don't even know what to do about it. Um, Stompy, listen, it's it's non-point scoring season. I don't care. <laughs> and it's me, it's me, it's that old SFD, John Hogue, the Superflex dude, and this is the Superflex Super Show. I was trying in my head to figure out what SFD It wasn't was. good. You should not have done that. <laughs> That's I'm making. You're that. just you're just gonna leave that out in the open, and I, yeah, somebody's I'm, gonna create some something out of it, something dirty out of it. I'm no, I, I, that's fine. They can do that as long as they remember SFD. We're we're I'm a, I'm gonna make that one happen for sure. Uh, we're back after a, a little bit of a hiatus. Definitely re-energized and uh, ready to ready to get back to the super show, and. Uh, tonight we want to talk about uh, just some draft strategies, both startup and rookie draft. Really hoping to make this one really pretty evergreen, boys. So what we're kind of hoping for here is something that people can refer back to. Uh, we want episode 145 here to be something that uh, you know that that people are going to go back to every time they're doing a startup draft, every time they're doing a rookie draft and uh, get some super flex strategies. So uh, sound good? Yeah, let's do it. No. (laughs) (laughs) Find the stupidest things to argue with me about sometimes. So saith SFD. Let's let's jump right in. So what I thought that I would do, actually, I need to uh, shout out a friend of mine, Justin Sullivan, 
who hit me up on Twitter, just kind of acting, just kind of asking about some, uh, some draft strategies and, and we'll get to, uh, specifically what he was asking about. He was kind of asking about productive struggle. So we're going to talk about that, uh, for super flex, but, uh, before we get to that, we're just gonna, what I'm going to do is just kind of use the premise of what Justin was asking me, which, you know, he's about eight picks into his startup draft. And, you know, he's, he's the way his roster is kind of coming together. He's trying to figure out, all right, so where do I take it from here? You know, what do I do with this for the rest of this startup draft? And from there, we're also going to talk about some rookie draft stuff as well. You know, uh, roster dependent uh, rookie draft strategies. But so we'll start with just a startup. So you're eight picks in. And I gave you guys each a roster. We've got a player pool to draft from. And uh, I, I think that the first question for each of you is going to be, where are you taking this? So I'm going to start with you, Brian. You've got, I mean, to me, this is a win now roster. Uh, this is, you know, it's it's somewhat old, um, but it's it's, you know, it's really pretty top heavy so far. So you've got Russell Wilson. You've got Aaron Rodgers. Um, you've got Alvin Kamara, Derek Henry, Chris Carson, David Montgomery, uh, at wide receiver, you've got Cooper cup or no, Amari Cooper and, uh, Tyler Lockett. And then, uh, you've got your own 2021 picks. You haven't made any trades for the futures so far. So through eight rounds, you just kind of woke up to this roster to you. Is it, do you feel like this is a win now roster? Yeah, definitely. Definitely the way that it's constructed with uh, with the two, you know, veteran quarterbacks, the young running backs. Um, yeah, I, I, I looking at, at the guys that are on this team. I definitely think it's a win now. So I guess from there, the question becomes, you know, for the remainder of this draft, do you kind of shift away from, you know, those older guys in, and uh, start putting together some youth so that you're going to be competitive you know, beyond 2020, or do you just lean into this and start putting together a, a, a roster that you think can go to the championship in 2020? I think it, it just depends kind of on, on, you know, who, who falls into the selections, but I, I, I mean, if this is me, I, I certainly would try to infuse a little bit of youth into, into the roster, especially at the quarterback position. Um, you know, moving forward, I mean, targeting younger quarterbacks who maybe haven't gotten an opportunity to start or rookie quarterback, like a guy like Justin Herbert or something like that. Um, you know, and then young receivers uh, with upside. Terry McLaurin, uh, Michael Gallup, um, players like that uh, that, you know, are, are younger players but have already kind of shown what they can do. I mean, those, those are going to be guys that can contribute to this roster this year. Uh, but they're also guys that, as the roster continues to age and turn over, those are the young guys that are in the pipeline. Um, that you know, hopefully, I can I can fill the rest of the roster out with some of those those guys. But I don't think that that's I don't think that that is. I mean, that's still kind of leaning into the win now roster because again, guys like McLaren and and Gallup have already shown what they can do in the league. So, um, I mean, they're not, maybe they're not alpha dog wide receiver ones per se, but they're very solid contributors that could develop into that depending on how things shake out on their given, given NFL teams. Um, so that's kind of the way that I would lean. 
Okay. So I kind of assigned the, each of these rosters to one of us, but I think that all three of us should attack them because I'm curious about Stompy's thoughts on this roster as well. And, and kind of your approach from here, you know, what you're going to do with this roster um, going forward, uh, starting in the ninth round. So first, can I know what the scoring is? Is it tight end premium? Um, sure. Yeah. Why not? Let's. let's... (laughs) (laughs) So did you make these up or no? No, this is, so these are from, uh, the first eight rounds of one of our, uh, mock drafts, Superflex ADP mock drafts that we're running right now for DLF, which by the way, are not tight end premium. Um, but I, you know, I, I kind of feel like we could probably, bump it up to 1.5 i don't think that that necessarily changes a whole lot right no not me i mean not for me i it when we go to these other rosters i i think it makes a difference uh, or there is some criticism there but Mm -hmm. um this to me looks like a roster build that i would do um if if i'm guessing correctly i believe it probably goes he went Kamara, Wilson, Henry, Rogers. Maybe he went Henry Cooper, Rogers, or Henry Rogers Cooper. Um, I'm I'm sure it was Cooper over Rogers. Everybody hates Aaron Rodgers right now, and it's yep. absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. It's nope. it's ex- extremely unfair. In fact, he might have. Been, it's un- oh my god! <laughs> he, he may have even gotten Chris Carson before it's, he gets Aaron Rodgers. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's unfair. He does not deserve this. He, he also, by the way, he really doesn't deserve what you're putting on. He's him. a man. He's forty. All right. Um, <laughs> not. Quite thirty eight or something. I I know, but it, I mean it was a Mike Gundy joke. I know, I know, I know. All right, anyway, he just so, teed that one up for you, Brian, and I don't appreciate <laughs> the fact that you hit it out of the park for him. Uh, so yeah, I mean you have three three running backs that I like. I, I think Carson's still the RB one in Seattle, so he's yeah. going to be a starter. Until probably maybe the end of this year, unless they re-sign him. I mean, Penny hasn't really been much um, for his first round value. Unfortunately, he got injured. But it, anyway, I mean, not focusing on these these RBs. You have two starting QBs. Two, I mean, a good set of starting QBs. Uh, a great running back room right now, and then Cooper is your wide receiver one. And I, I mean, he is a wide receiver one in the NFL. And then you have Lockett, who people seem to have forgotten. He had over a thousand yards last season. I actually, it was funny. I had an argument with a guy who said that uh, Philip Dorsett was going to be the slot receiver in Seattle, and I was like, "Oh, really? what?" <laughs> it's Tyler. Well, it was all right. I, I'm, I'll go and no, I'll go into this. I, it's not a long story, but basically, there's a guy who in this league who is being threatened to kick to be kicked out because there's some a rule in the Constitution. Basically, you need to at the very least try in terms of setting a, a good line, like a, a complete oh. lineup. And he only has cam Newton at QB. And so we, the commissioner warned him and, um, and there, I, there was a fight back and forth, whatever. And people were like, well, I have QBs that I can trade and ended up trading a guy traded Gardner Minshew for Evan Ingram and Philip Dorsett. It is a tight end premium, but that doesn't make it any better for me. Yeah. So it was just like, but, and then his argument, one of his arguments was, well, uh, Everett is, is going to be 
the better tight end, even though Higby just went off last year. And Dorsett is the starting uh, slot receiver for Russell Wilson and is the same uh, size as um, Doug Baldwin. And I was like, mm, Dorsett hasn't done anything in his career. Yeah. Probably not a good – I mean, he had Tom Brady, for Christ's sake. He had Andrew Luck. Yeah. So it it was a bad argument. Anyway, um, so Dorsett is not going to be the slot receiver. Tyler Lockett played 60% of his, of his snaps from the slot, so he's not going to be a slot receiver. Um, so I, I like Lockett as a wide receiver too. And then you, have, you haven't had to do anything to get this roster. Um, I would – look at getting your third QB because I'm it looks like they are running out. I'm looking at what remains here. But if you can get yeah, it gets uh, a little uh, rough. Yeah, I mean what am I looking at here? There's not <laughs> much in terms of starters. If you could get like Tyrod Taylor and um oh no it looks like uh Herbert's, Herbert's off the board. Yeah. So these are oh, in see, alphabetic so, order instead of in order of uh, like ADP or rank. Yeah, I'm just I'm trying to find a starter in here. Nick I mean, Ford. you can be yeah. So if you want to actually, that's great. If you want to grab somebody like Ryan Fitzpatrick or Nick Foles for a season, and then look at like Jacob Eason or Jordan Love, especially um, if you got like Nick Foles and Mitchell Trubisky, right? Or or even that. I mean, that's a good one too, where you have a a QB for this year, a third QB for this year, and then it transitions into a third QB for the following seasons. That's probably got to be your first move because you're dwindling quick on starting QBs and what's left. Um, and then there's still some a lot of value at wide receiver later on in drafts. Um, I oh, got Brandon Robert, Cooks. Brandon, Co- yeah, Brandon Cooks is great. Brandon Cooks is a great example. I mean, I got Robert Woods in the eighth round of one draft. Um, AJ Green could very well be a wide, I mean, a wide receiver two, maybe a wide receiver one if it's like a last hurrah kind of thing with a good quarterback. So, TY, I, I, I think, ugh, I mean, <laughs> um, as a wide I, receiver three, I on a win now team, yeah, I'm not in love so, with it because he, of where they're going. But the, the point is, I would go QB here and then go wide receiver again. You still need one more running back. Um, I'm always waiting on tight ends, regardless of premium or not, because I still think there's value in tight ends late. Mm-hmm. There's yeah, still a crap load of running is, backs too. Raheem yeah. Mostert's yeah. still out there. Um, Philip Lindsay. I mean, I know they br- brought brought in Melvin Gordon, but his still, value. I mean, I, James Conner. He had great yeah. value before that. He's got a better value now mm-hmm. before the Gordon signing. But yeah, I mean. So get an, another QB, get another wide receiver. Then you start feeling a little bit more comfortable. Probably look at another wide receiver there, and I would just wait on tight end. But, yes, this is a win-now roster as it's currently constructed. Okay. And, so John, I, I, I totally botched this, too, because I didn't look at the available players left, so I'm naming guys that aren't available any longer, so apologies there. No, um, but but it still stands. I mean, I think if if they're available, you look for younger guys that can contribute this year and moving forward. But if they're not, then you got to look for the value in those older guys and, and, yes, lean in. Yeah. So here's an example. So I know that you're, you just mentioned T.Y. Hilton. I also know that you're pretty high on Deontay Johnson. 
both of those guys are available. Who's who's the priority for a win now team to you? I still think it's got to be Deontay Johnson personally, but it's close. It's close between those two because I think. Um, I mean, if if I knew for sure I was getting T. Y. Hilton, like the T. Y. Hilton that we know, then I might take him um, really? over Johnson. But I don't know that I'm getting that. Yeah. There's so much value. I mean, Sterling Shepard's still there. Yep. If you want win now, Emmanuel Sanders with the Saints. Um, yeah. I mean, there, there's value, although Adam Thielen's still available according to this, which is oh, batshit crazy. That's the pick, right? There. <laughs> yeah. That's How is that Adam Thielen still available in the ninth round? Thielen so, starts over Tyler Lockett for you, in fact, by the yeah. way. Like he's mm-hmm. your, he becomes your wide receiver too. But so. but even if you want to look at like Preston Williams is still available, um, Paris Campbell's still available. I'm sure Curtis Samuel's still available. There's guys who are second year and third year wide receivers who could very easily make it take a step forward in the, their respective offenses. So I, I mean, wide receivers deep right now, but I still think you need to get a third wide receiver um, and a third QB right away. And so at this point, though, you're willing to sacrifice kind of the future because, again, you know, Deontay yep. Johnson is yeah. there, but it's more important to to finish off this championship roster. Right, and, and it's I, I don't think – I mean, you still have young pieces to build around Wilson, um, Kamara, Henry, and Montgomery. We'll see what happens with Montgomery. Cooper and Lockett, like it's not like you don't have guys who are going to be there two, three years out either. So, you didn't go like super old and like everybody's going to retire next year. I don't know, man. <laughs> Running back is not the position to be young at. Um, I, I am curious though, because you've got Aaron Rodgers. All jokes aside here, um, you've got Aaron Rodgers. How much of a priority is uh, Jordan Love? <sighs> I mean, win, win now roster. Oh, for win now, probably not. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Okay. That's fair. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just kind of from, from a strategic standpoint, though, it sounds like, you know, again, you're you're willing to kind of sacrifice, um, you know, 2021 and beyond. You're not too worried about that part. And, uh, you know, obviously the theory is, uh, let's, be, let's be real for a minute here, a lot of these super flex leagues these dynasty leagues we're playing for money you know we're not playing for you know just just random you know not necessarily just playing for trophies and and belts and whatnot we're also playing for money and you know the the idea is you win a championship in year one your buy-in is paid for what the next three four years and you're playing with house money at that point while you rebuild it so you know, so I, I think that people get a little too caught up in dynasty with the idea that you have to be, you have to go young. Yeah. When you get to this point where you've got this roster that is likely going to be able to contend in, in 2020, uh, but it's not super young, you know, I, I, there's a good chance that in the next you know year or two, you're kind of down to Wilson and Cooper. I, I don't know if it's even that old either, I, I guess for me, and I, I get where you're coming from with like Henry and Carson, probably Kamara as well, that I for mean, sure, Kamara. Kamara's entering year four. Carson's entering year four. Henry is, is he year, year four as well? No, he's, he's year, year five. 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 Cause yeah, that's right. He got a franchise. Um, 
so I mean, very easily, yes, you, uh, you you could lose those guys in the next two years. I don't know how likely it is, but you can very easily uh, lose them. I one thing I might have done if you were going to go really lean in on win now, mm-hmm. I probably would have traded my twenty twenty one first to move up into the top fifty again to mm-hmm. try and get maybe one of those younger running backs uh, or one of the rookies coming out, um, Jonathan Taylor, uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Uh, jk dobbins um, yeah and and that way at the, at the very least then you have that guy who i mean i think they're gonna hit pretty easily so you have them and montgomery and if one of kamara henry or carson lasts another two to three years then you have a still have a decent running back room um and you didn't necessarily sacrifice your entire future so one last thing on this roster that I would submit to the two of you is, uh, is in terms of quarterback depth, Cam Newton is still out there. Now, it, you know, it, it it's tough with Cam Newton right now because we don't know where he's going to be. But, you know, first of all, you're not necessarily looking for a starter. You might, you, you should be fine with Wilson as your quarterback one, Rodgers as your quarterback two. So at this point, to me, like the big thing that we're looking for uh, in the in the quarterback room is some rushing upside. I mean, you've got a little bit of that with Wilson, but they've really kind of reined him in. Like to me, that's the one thing that's missing from this roster right at the moment is, you know, at, at this point in the draft, at least, is some rushing upside at quarterback because we know what a difference that can make for a win now type roster. It's not something that I personally like to prioritize, but I mean, at this point, like there's, there's some pretty obvious, there's, there's quite a bit of evidence out there to support the idea that, you know, where, where fantasy championships are won and lost. It's, it's, it's running the ball. It's the running backs and it's the rushing quarterbacks. I, I, my, my thing with Cam is that nobody wanted him. Nobody, I mean, there were, there were QB positions available. I, I, I think he can be a fantastic, like insurance policy for teams, but I just don't know what he has left. He had, he had a shoulder issue. He has foot issues. He's had ankle issues. Um, he, though he is only 30, the way he plays is a lot different than Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, who can last into their forties. Um, he, he's more of a, like you said, rushing quarterback. And I don't know how much legs, how much legs he has left. Is it much legs, many legs? (laughs) I, I don't. Whatever you knew what I was saying, yeah. I, I just and don't know how well he's. I mean, if he's going to be able to run the ball much that much anymore, and then he is not good enough of a passer to really overcome the deficiencies without the rushing upside. So, if it were me, I would wait and take Tyrod Taylor because at the very least he has a shot of starting this year. Yeah, and but for how long? Well, and that's fine. I mean, but that that's the other thing is it's, okay, what if you grab Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tyrod Taylor? 
I feel okay in that situation. And then you get yeah, like Jacob Beeson late. You lose those two guys at the same time. Okay, you still have two quarterbacks. Well, <laughs> but what do you do in bye weeks when Herbert takes over in you know week three and Tua takes over in week eight? Well, then you're SOL, but you got good running backs to fill in that uh, super flex spot. So, Ugh, okay. It, back you to- know, I've won multiple championships with just two QBs <laughs> and Superflex, right? It's an okay thing. Uh, I've won championships with two QBs in my lineup <laughs> at all times. See? Oh, boy. Um, but, with I mean, your, which you're not- here, here's my thing is I think he's deep enough that he can absorb that QB loss without losing much um, this year specifically. So, I mean, personally, I am taking one of those two potential starters, maybe Foles, maybe Foles Trubisky, and then I'm grabbing one of Jason Eason or Jordan Love. Um, and like I said, Jalen Hurts, if you really want to take a risky swing. But you also have that 2021 first-round pick. Mm-hmm. Um, and that you that could end up being valuable for somebody like Gardner Minshew. I would probably trade – um, that 2021 first for Gardner Minshew um, or, or, or some of the not overly productive quarterbacks, but Teddy Bridgewater. You Bridgewater might, is the perfect you might get Bridgewater. Bridgewater. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's just one of those things where it's like, I you mean, shouldn't, you shouldn't be able to get a starting quarterback for a 2021 first, but it's, it's possible that you could. I don't agree with that, but you also overvalue QBs. Um, <laughs> I value them appropriately. Thank you very much. Appropriately to whom? To Superflex. So you make or, up the rules of Superflex? You make up the values of Superflex? Yes. Oh How, we've been over this. Of course. Oh, I yeah. Do. He's the big SFD. The SFD. That's right. I should, I, we're going to say it's going to be God. the big SFD. <laughs> <laughs> we can do that. Um, all right. Yeah. I, to me, Cam Newton makes a lot of sense because I think you get him for a full year and I do think you get some rushing upside, but, um, only for this win now roster though. I I think that for a lot of these rosters, I don't think that he's going to make a whole lot of sense. So let's move on to this next roster and, and talk about this one a little bit. So, um, this one feels like a little bit of a youth movement. You've got Jared Goff and Dwayne Haskins so far at quarterback. You got Cam Akers at running back, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, Juju Smith-Schuster, and then Keenan Allen at wide receiver, and Zach Ertz at tight end. The big thing for me, so first of all, again, the, the quarterback's you know pretty young. Um, Haskins is very unproven. It definitely going to need some depth at quarterback, but you know otherwise you're still young at quarterback, and then those three wide receivers, Adams, Hill, Juju Smith-Schuster. You're young, you're elite, and you're not going to have to deal with that position again. So I, I'm I'm curious, like, which way are you guys taking this roster? Like, is this is this a contender? Is this uh, are, are we a ways off from contending with this one? Um, are, are you leaning towards kind of rebuild mode? Or are you leaning towards uh, making a run at the playoffs? It, I think it really depends on what moves you make next here. Mm-hmm. Um, despite what John likes to think, our running back is extremely important. 
despite what a, well, it the generally the community thinks running back is extremely important in terms it, of fantasy football. It that depends on how you answer this question. What? Or, again, are you are you do you feel like this is a team that can contend, or do you feel like this is? That's what I'm trying to answer. I'm saying the moves you have to make depend on. I mean, or it depends on the moves you make. I mean, Acres Acres I think is a great running back. I think he can be a good running back in the NFL, but he's landing behind the 31st ranked offensive line by P uh, PFF um, from last year. They didn't get better. Um, so, I mean, he's used to running behind bad offensive lines, but I mean, in the NFL, the game's just faster and bad offensive lines are going to get you in trouble. I mean, Todd Gurley was extremely inefficient last season. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know if I necessarily like acres as your RB one this season. I think he can be an RB one in the future, just not this season. So what that means to me is that you better start getting it, the potential RB ones are dwindling on the board. So you better start grabbing guys. Um, that can be an RB2, somebody like James Conner. Um, Raheem Mostert is a guy that you can look at late because he looks to be the starter in a run-heavy offense. Uh, Boston Scott's still on the board, um, which I, I everybody's on Miles Sanders, and I think Miles Sanders is great. I just think Boston Scott still has a pretty significant role in that offense, especially as a pass catcher. That's um, great. I, I mean, th- there are other – I uh, Philip Lindsay's still on the board, and a lot of people are down on Lindsay after last season or, – or, or sorry, not last season, but Melvin Gordon, the Melvin Gordon signing, but they weren't respecting him in the first place. A two-time Pro Bowler with over 1,000 yards on the ground in mm. his first two seasons, undrafted free agent. I don't know if you guys remember that or not. That's not said all the time. Um, but, I mean, he's still going to get probably – I wouldn't – I would imagine 40% of the touches. So he can be extremely productive and he's been efficient in his career thus far. Kareem Hunt's still available. Uh, Mark Ingram. Uh, if you, I, I think they'll probably use him for, for this year at the very least. And he was extremely efficient in that um, Baltimore offense. So that's where I think you need to go here is get two or three more guys who can be RB twos on this team because you don't have a RB one. If that is the case, with these wide receivers, I think it can be a contender. It really is dependent on Haskins, but Haskins is in a better offense this year under Ron Rivera and um, Turner's son, which I forgot his name. But in an offense that does a lot of like short passes, uh, get the ball out of his hands. Um, he has Terry McLaurin. He can work with Terry McLaurin um, for an, well. We'll see about how long the off season is. Um, he's got some more weapons over there, though. Uh, so I think Haskins can probably take a step forward. What does that mean? Back in QB2. So you still need another QB that maybe you can rely on. Again, you're looking at Foles, um, Trubisky, Tyrod Taylor, uh, and uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick area. Mm-hmm. But – I mean, let's say Ryan Fitzpatrick plays the entire season, which I think probably is what Miami will do. Then you're looking pretty good because Ryan Fitzpatrick can put QB2 um, games up regularly and a few QB1 games here and there. So I think it's a contender because of the um, wide receivers right now. 
And then if you add, like like I said, two or three more RB2s and then another starting quarterback, I would probably aim for um, Ryan Fitzpatrick right away as your next pick with this offense. I think it can be a contender this year. By the way, even if it isn't tight end, is tight end premium, still don't love the Ertz pick. If you're going to go youth, go youth. Get guys like Noah Fant. Don't reach for guys like Ertz. Get get his successor, Dallas Goddard. Don't reach for guys like Ertz because he could put up a great season or two from here on. But, I mean, after that, what are you going to get from him? Right. So, essentially, to you, so, I, you know, I put together these rosters um, from the basically in the eighth round, thinking that that's kind of a crossroads you know, that that's that and that's decision time. Like, here's what I've done so far. Now, which direction do I take it? And what I'm hearing from you is essentially that we're not quite there yet with this roster. Like, no, still, we're still a few picks away. By the way, I I hate this roster because this is not at all how I would build a roster. I usually wait until like the sixth round for a wide receiver because people just seem to think that 28 year old wide receivers can't do anything in the NFL. Though, isn't that like their peak? Yeah. It's like 28 to 30 or something like that. 27 to 30. Anyway, um, I, I, I I just, I hate the running back room because like I said, acres can be good. There's just not anything else there. You, your QB two is a huge question mark and I don't like the Ertz pick. And this may end up being one of those. Okay. Even if you grab Connor Lindsay and a third running back, let's say Ingram, um, you're still in a wait and see because it's still not the most solid of uh, running back rooms. So yeah. I, I think this would be like, okay, let's see where we're at like six games into the season. And if you start to see these guys aren't going to produce like I need them to, to contend, that's when you start selling guys off. That's where you start selling guys like Adams, who isn't the mo- isn't the youngest guy, Keenan Allen, Ertz, two contenders so you can get picks for 2021 or, or young players for, for the future. So it's, I I would say this is more a wait and see until after, after the draft and probably a few games in before you do anything about it. I I just don't, I, the way it's built right now, it could be uh, with the correct moves. Um, It also could be uh, not great going into the season. So Mm -hmm. Um, I don't like that answer, but uh, well, I, 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 I mean, tell Brian. me, like, <laughs> Tyreek's fine. I mean, Tyreek's great. You have a top five. You have two top five. Um, well, you have three top five wide receivers on this team. Yeah, but Adams is getting older. Tyreek and Juju are going to be in the league for a long time. Keenan Allen's getting older, and his quarterback situation kind of took a step back because he's. I don't know if he's going to get fed the ball like he was. Mm-hmm. Ertz is older, so like you do have some youth but not enough. Yeah. And, and it's just like the way, like the wide receiver room's great, but everything else is like a gigantic question mark to me. Okay. Brian, your turn. I want to know, I, I mean, just, just kind of break this thing down. Do you feel like it's a, it's a youth movement or do you feel like it's a, it's just a mess? Um, You know, it is, which way would you take this going forward? And if it's broken, how do you fix it? Yeah, so I don't know that it's necessarily a youth movement. I mean, you look at the players on this team and they're not, I mean, it's not like it's a bunch of young guys. I mean, yeah, Juju, of course, Tyreek is mid-20s now, um, you know, and, and Akers, of course, the the rookie. But 
I mean, these these other guys, I mean, Adams, Allen, Ertz, I mean, we're talking over 28 years old for all of them by the end of the season. I mean, Adams, I think, is 27 right now. So um, I wouldn't necessarily call it youth movement. Um, I don't think this – so the, the wide receiver this, – this is like the worst type of team. This is a team that is like – this is a six seed, a five or six seed in the playoffs that – probably can't hang with the top four teams, but is good enough to screw themselves out of a good draft pick position. Mm-hmm. That, that's how I see this team. Um, and, and the problem is the quarterback room. The problem is the quarterback room. Yep. If your top guy, look, I like Jared Goff. I have no issues with Jared Goff as a quarterback two. I know he puts up quarterback one numbers, John. But if he's your quarterback one, you got to have a stronger quarterback two than Dwayne Haskins in Superflex. That's fair. That's yeah. the issue that I have with this team. If if you're you know if you're if you're talking about pairing Haskins with you know, uh, um, I mean, pick a higher end QB one, a, a uh, you know, um, Dak Prescott, a I see what I did there, boys. That was our uh, <laughs> pre-show talk. Um, you know, or, 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 you know, Mahomes or Jackson or any of those guys up there, Wilson, the guys that are, are entrenched as, as quarterback ones in the top half, you know, top six or so. Um, and, and then you throw Haskins in as your wide receiver too. I'm fine. I'm fine with that. I, I would like the prospects of this team a lot better, but if Jared Goff is the guy you're leaning on as your quarterback one, you got to have a stronger QB two than Dwayne Haskins. If it's golf, it's got to be a Matt Stafford, not yeah. a Dwayne, ha- not a Dwayne Haskins. Yep, I you agree know, so with that, that. I agree with that wholeheartedly. And, and 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 the only the only thing I would I would I guess disagree. I, I mean, Stompy makes a lot of great points about running backs being important. I think the running backs are important. I don't know that I think after the top elite ones, I don't know that they're as important. Like there comes a point in a draft where if you're loading up on wide receivers, I think the mistake that this person made was they took the fourth wide receiver. They should have they should have either taken a stronger second quarterback or taking a uh, taking a better running back. Yeah. Um, the, in- the issue I think here is that they built on elite wide receivers and they really shouldn't have because the, I mean, yes, there's a lot of advice out there build around your wide receivers and dynasty. I don't necessarily agree with it, but that is a, I mean, a, there's a, a lot of people will agree with that. Um, I will, but, but I mean, yeah, grab, grab a wide receiver in the first grab a QB or a running back in the second. If you want to grab another wide receiver in the third, do that, grab a Q uh, an RB in the fourth. But you probably went QB, QB, QB um, here and – or sorry, wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver. And I just don't think that's the right way to build this. Like you're supposed to build around young wide receivers, and that's fine. I mean, Tyreek and Juju are great, but there's also younger wide receivers that you can get a little bit later. Or there's even like guys that are 26, 27, 28 that still have two to three more years of good production that you don't necessarily need to grab three straight wide receivers. You can get, let's just say you get Devonte Adams and then you pick, I don't know, Nick Chubb is Nick Chubb going in the second anymore. I don't think so, but I mean, you could get a Nick Chubb in the second and then come back and get Juju or Tyreek. And there you have a young wide receiver there and then go quarterback and then 
wait until later to get your third wide receiver. Like I said, Robert Woods is going really late right now. Calvin Ridley's kind of going late too. Uh, Cooper Cup is another one. Uh, DK Metcalf. There's are there are young wide receivers you can build around that you don't have to necessarily spend a humongous amount of draft capital on and put the rest of your team in jeopardy. The the Ertz pick probably was relatively early too. I would imagine in the first six rounds, which I don't love taking a tight end there. Yeah, I'm t- I'm trying to look it up and see where these guys went because my thing is, I, I to me this is it's a valid start to go with those top three wide receivers first, because then you, you, I mean, you don't really have to address wide receiver again until, I don't know, like the 15th round, something. Well, like that. But, and he did like, though. I mean, he went with Keenan Allen and probably the, he might've gone, he might've gone four straight wide receivers. If I'm really thinking about it, he could have very easily gone four straight wide receivers. Yeah. I'm trying to find Keenan Allen and I'm trying to find Zach Ertz. I, I, I'm a, but yeah, I, I just, whether you believe in running backs or not, zero RB just does not, especially lately with the amount of talent coming in at RB, just really doesn't work uh, right now. Um, so I, I think you need a RB1 on your team to be even in, mentioned as a contender. He unfortunately doesn't have that. He mitigates that by getting four potential wide receiver ones. I just don't love how they built that because this could very easily. I mean, this one is kind of like teetering on an edge here where it's like, if you do everything correctly, you could land on solid ground. If not, you're flying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think that this could have been, and we're about to get to productive struggle actually in this, this could have been a little bit of a productive struggle. Maybe not. Th- this actually wouldn't be productive struggle. It'd be more like rebuild because like you can't, to me, you can go zero RB. Here's how it works though. And, and you know, he starts with those three wide receivers again. He doesn't have to take another wide receiver for, you know, 15 rounds. So from there though, you know, again, Keenan Allen, that's excessive. You know, is he actually going to start for you at any point? I, I am I'm not so sure about that. I mean, he's he's, a, you know, he'll be a flex, probably your second flex, I assume, in a normal, you know, in a, in a normal uh, lineup arrangement. I think you probably got two starting wide receivers, two flex spots. Those flex spots can be any position. You don't have to lock that up with a wide receiver. So, you know, those first three, that's fine. But then from there, hammer quarterback. You know, it, it, he could, this could have easily been something like Baker Mayfield, Daniel Jones, um, you know, Drew Locke. The, like, these are all guys who are still available in the range where he took, uh, where he took Keenan Allen for sure, where he took probably where he took Zach Ertz even, um, and certainly where he took Jared Goff. I mean, you know, Jared Goff, again, Jared Goff, like you said, could have been quarterback too pretty easily. And, you know, but you get you get three of those young guys, you know, give me Jared Goff, uh, you know, Daniel Jones, Drew Locke to go with those three wide receivers. And then, you know, you're you're just kind of done with those two positions for a while. Obviously, I would keep going quarterback, but, you know, you've got you've got three young quarterbacks. You've got three young wide receivers. Those two positions are going to be set like for years several years here 
And in that time, you can spend the time taking shots at running back. You know, uh, again, like you said, there are those late round running backs that you can take a shot on now who could help you potentially contend this year. It's going to be tough to win a championship without an alpha running back, but you can make a run and, you know, you maybe you find those guys that do help you win late in the year, you know, kind of Raheem Mostert type of thing. You can find guys like that late in the year who actually could help you win a championship. And then along the way, I mean, you're just kind of, you're just kind of throwing stuff at the wall until you get stuff to stick when it comes to the running backs. And then, you know, in the draft, you take more running backs and, and, you know, eventually you just take so many shots at running back that eventually you find those guys. Meanwhile, you know, the, the alpha running backs that we're talking about, they're alpha now, but I mean, a, a year from now, I don't think we're going to be talking about the same names anyways. So, you know, I, I don't think that you necessarily have to focus on running back, but um, you know, it, it makes it a lot easier to contend now, but if that's not your goal, if you want to turn this into kind of a, a youth movement and a little bit of a project, then yeah, you start with those wide receivers and you start with young quarterbacks because then you don't have to touch them again for years. So I, like, I think that's a valid strategy. It just didn't quite get executed here. Like this was kind of a combination of, of that, of, you know, that young foundation of wide receivers along with kind of a, a win now type of philosophy when it came to, you know, taking cam Akers ahead of, you know, a, a quarterback like Baker Mayfield, um, and, you know, Keenan Allen, again, that one was excessive. Zach Ertz that doesn't really fit with those wide receivers necessarily. So, I it, my thing is I, it's like he didn't commit to any of the other positions. Like yeah, you're pretty weak at every position. I mean, a tight end fine. I think Ertz is probably still a tight. I mean, is a tight end one this season. Sure, but running back, you're weak. Uh, the QBs, like Brian said, I mean, you need a better QB two in this situation. Like if you. If Goff and Haskins were your QB2 and QB3, this would be great. I would love that, but they're QB1, QB2, so you need somebody like Stafford, um, like Ryan, like Tannehill, but you unfortunately don't have that. I mean, you can get Fitzpatrick, and I think you should be okay. It's just when you committed so much draft capital to those wide receivers, I think you hurt yourself – to the point where I don't know if you can overcome those deficiencies at the other uh, positions right now. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of the, the bottom line is, you know, the, the, if you're going to take those first three wide receivers, kind of the strategy that you need to commit to is, you know, the idea that this could be, this could be a youth movement. This could even be a productive struggle possibly. Um, the reason to take those young wide receivers early is the fact that, like I said, they're they're going to be there. They're solid for years to come. Um, so if you're going to take that strategy, you need to build the rest of the roster the same way, which means young quarterbacks. Like throw out Keenan Allen, throw out Zach Ertz. To me, you even throw out Cam Akers. You get young quarterbacks who, but you know, get a little bit more proven as well than Dwayne Haskins. Like go three or four deep at quarterback, and then. 
you know, it, at that point, uh, you know, once you get done doing that, once you get done solidifying the quarterbacks, and then you've got those three wide receivers, now we're six, seven rounds in, and look who falls into your lap. You've got guys like Melvin Gordon, Le'Veon Bell still on the board at that point. Uh, you you know, you can still, like you said, maybe, you know, you wait a little bit longer on tight end and you're looking at the, you know, some of those younger guys and, and grab a few of them, you know, give me Dawson Knox and, and Ian Thomas and, you know, a couple of those guys. But, you know, the, the, it, this just kind of went off the rails a little bit. It, it just got a little too. Uh, I, I don't know, a little, a little too jumbled. It stopped making sense after those first three wide receivers. So, but that's the goal here is to kind of outline a strategy. And if you want to go wide receiver heavy, which again, to me, that's a very valid strategy. You start with Adams Hill and Juju. And especially, I mean, we didn't give this, this guy any draft picks because, you know, I, I would almost assume that you have to move up in the draft to get one of those, one of those guys, I can't imagine, you know, any of those three guys falling all the way to the third round. So I don't know. Jude. Well, no, you're right. Yeah. Those are all second round or or earlier to me. So, I mean, I think they probably, you know, in theory, at least um, probably would have had to trade like your 2021 picks to move back up into the second round. And that's my thing is if you're going to do that and you already have an elite wide receiver, I would not have done it for the wide receiver. I would have done it for the QB or I would have done it for the running back. And he went wide receiver. And I think that's probably where he went off the rails is moving up to get another wide receiver. Yeah, like if if he hadn't moved up, and and I I guess I don't know. I mean, it would be nice to know how how exactly this went. But if he traded, if he had not moved up, and you look at how that draft would have gone, I think we would have liked this team a lot better because you would have had two potentially top five wide receivers. I'm trying to look up uh, DLF ADP right now. Um, so you could you could get like. Adams and then one of Juju or Tyreek. Um, Tyreek's going early first, mm-hmm. and Adams is going late second. So you could potentially get Devonte Adams and Tyreek, or Devonte Adams um, and Juju. Wow, Juju! Am I crazy here? Am I April? Not? So April April ADP for Superflex is. So Adams is two is wide receiver two, Tyreek's wide receiver four, Juju wide receiver eight, and Keenan Allen. Yeah, but actually- like the, the gap between Tyreek and Juju is fifteen picks. That's huge. So you actually could have potentially gotten Juju in the third. Well, in 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 reality, they did. It's just that I don't know right. that, that that's going to be the the norm so no no no, but but i I, might let me i'll try and finish my point here so you could have gotten one of Devontae adams and tyreek or Devontae adams and juju in the first and second and then you pick a qb in the third so um wow i don't like the third round qbs at all joe burrow baker mayfield aaron Rodgers, gross um josh allen sorry (laughs) <laughs> Matt Ryan. So, but you can get a better, 
QB there. So I, I mean, I, if you went Aaron Rodgers there and then got Goff and Haskins, I'd actually feel okay with that. Um, but you, you, and then you could have gone QB running back and the fourth round running backs are, are still pretty good running backs. I mean, after what pick 36. So, uh, you're looking at Leonard Fournette, JK Dobbins, um, Austin Eckler. Good Lord. Kenyon Drake. So I, I think we would have liked this roster had they not moved up and just went with the flow of the draft. So I think probably moving up for that second wide receiver is what screwed, screwed this up. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a fan of moving up in a startup anyways, like it's gotta be super cheap, but you know what, if, if, if you were able to get in and you know, your point still stands, it's not necessarily the pick to make, but if you were able to get a second round startup pick for your 2021 first, even there, for your entire there's 20- no way that there's no way that happens, but sure. It's 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 happened, but like it yeah, I, would I mean say it like shouldn't. The, I would say the most you, you should, get like should be able to fifth. get is like a fifth, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, so I guess here's my thing. I like moving up now because of the running backs and because of the value of the wide receivers. So I've actually moved up several times this offseason, and I feel like my running backs are great, and then I can get some uh, value at QB and wide receiver where I have I do have Jared Goff as my QB1, but I also have like Matt Stafford as my QB2, and then, um, I don't know, Gardner Minshew is my QB3. Um, so I don't have any of the top-end QBs, but I have guys that are going to be able to start and put up potential QB1 games every week. Um, and then... Like I said, there's guys that are 26, 27, 28 white year old wide receivers that are going really late and will be in the in in their prime for a couple three seasons here. And I mean, we always repeat this is don't look to more than two or three seasons ahead. So get getting me getting getting me uh me getting two early round running backs, whether it be two in the first or one in the first, one in the second, and then, um, or maybe trading up back into the second to get a QB. I like that start because, like I said, those wide receivers that you can get later right now, there's huge value at wide receiver and QB. I personally believe where running back is should be taken earlier. Yeah. So that's I, that's my willing. I'm more willing to trade because of the RB talent right now. I am more willing to trade up this kind of won't make sense as I explain it now that I think about it, but I'm willing to trade up to get those elite level RBs and wait on wide receiver and QB because of the depth at those, those uh, positions. Yeah. Yeah. But this, so this is still kind of what you're talking about is, is a little bit of a win now approach. And I want to transition to a situation that's probably not that, um, and this is actually, again, this is the impetus for the entire show. And uh, again, got to shout out my friend Justin Sullivan, who uh, who kind of brought this up. But so here's here's a roster. And I, you know, on this show sheet here, I said productive struggle with a question mark. Um, I'm not sure if it is or not. Uh, it, it To me, it, it very well could be. Um, but I want to get you guys' take. Again, this is through eight rounds. But so he went quarterback heavy. Um, which, you know, you know, near and dear to my heart, uh, not Stompy's not a fan for sure, but 
you know, Dak Prescott, Baker Mayfield, Matthew Stafford, Dwayne Haskins, and Justin Herbert right now at quarterback. And he's got one of each at, at running back, wide receiver, and tight end. And he's super young. He's got Jonathan Taylor, uh, Henry Ruggs, and Noah Fant. And then he's also made several trades back in this startup draft and, and accumulated uh, two other 2021 firsts on top of his own. So right now he's got three picks in next year's rookie draft. And that's where he, I think that's the part that probably makes him feel like this is going to be a productive struggle type of year. So let me just real quick lay out the difference between rebuild and productive struggle because rebuild is a state of being. Like that's where, you know, there's there's not really any option with a rebuild. That's what you're doing. That's where you're at. Whereas productive struggle is an actual strategy and like you have to commit to it and you have to, you, you know, you, you've got to stick to that the entire way through the season. And it's really hard to pinpoint a team right now as productive struggle here in May. I think that it's pretty tough to call a team productive struggle. Um, so productive struggle is a term coined by Ryan McDowell that basically says, you know, this year is going to be a rough year. I'm not going to win a lot of games. I'm not really going to try to win games, you know, not necessarily going to tank. It's just, this just isn't going to be a roster that's that I'm, that I'm trying to, you know, make a bunch of win now type of moves. And, you know, I'm going to get draft picks. I'm going to accumulate draft picks. And then my own draft pick is going to be pretty early. And in next year's rookie class, I'm going to just load up and um, and get this thing completely rebuilt. And, you know, in the meantime, I've got value on my roster. I don't have a whole lot of production, but I've got value. And I'm going to be able to make trades uh, that it, that can help this team become a contender a year from now. And again, to me, you you if you're going to do productive struggle, you have to commit to it. Whereas if you're just rebuilding, which this might just be a rebuild, like this might be a roster that you can turn into a winner by, you know, by September if you want to. So, but I think I want to, I want to get you guys' opinion on this. Like, is this something that you're going to, to try and, and rebuild or are you going to lean into productive struggle for the entire 2020 season? And in, in either case, what does that look like? And I, I want to start from with Brian. I haven't heard from him in a while. It's because I talk too much. So do See, I. See, even I talked in front of Brian right there. Fuck you, Brian. <laughs> You're going to have to edit this, John. Fuck me. It. Fuck you. <laughs> um, Idiots. Sorry. You guys are the worst. <laughs> Leave it in there. Explicit tag. I probably will. So... I like this team, to be honest. I mean, yes, of yeah. course, you're not competing with this team year one. I mean, obviously. But, I mean, I, I feel like you're set up, especially if you stick to it and you continue to, to, you know, build this team around young talent that has the ability in the next two to three years to really ascend. Um, you know, you have the picks next year to continue to add to that young talent. Um, so by year three, this team's starting to make a little bit of noise. By year four, they might be the beginning. I mean, you might be at the beginning of a of a pretty nice long run. 
the problem with a lot of dynasty owners is we don't have the patience for this shit. I mean, we 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 just don't have the patience for it, right? I mean, how many Lee, how many, how many John, I think we've had a conversation before about how you've never had a dynasty league go over so many years. <laughs> yeah. Right. So go if you're waiting, it. if you're waiting till year four and the league folds in year five, I mean, that was kind of dumb, right? So or or very unfortunate at least. So I mean that that's the thing I think that that this, this type of roster, I like the way it looks. Like I said, it's not a, I would not build a roster like this just because I can't wait. I can't wait that long. If I'm going youth movement, I'm still sprinkling in veterans that, that are, are, you know, that you do have a lot of value right now. Okay. But value changes quickly. So you need guys that, you know, are going to produce too. And and hold their value, and it, you know it's this to me is like this is like a a, a person who bounces from uh you know from person to person when they're dating. Seriously, because this is like it's like the thrill of the chase, right? It's like oh, I got all these young guys, like all these upside guys that you know are going to turn into superstars maybe two to three years from now and that you end up always and this is something that i went off on the on on another show this week on my on my other show this week trade addicts about people trading young elite assets for like rookie picks and stuff and and i just don't i don't understand that and, and this kind of leans into that well, you hold on. That feels like a call out to me. It's I not. Just, I just did this. You could take it that way, though. I did take it that way. Good. It was not a call out to you at all. I, I said this on the Trade Addicts podcast on Monday night that was released. Yeah, whatever, yesterday. Brian. Sure. No, I'm serious. <laughs> um, before I saw your trade poll. So, plus, I like some of the guys you got in that deal. It's all good. Anyways. I just, I, you know, I, I don't have the patience for this type of build. I, I'm sprinkling in veteran players that I know are going to to produce as well. Um, so I like the looks of this, but I could never stick to it personally. Because like I said, I just, I mean, I ain't waiting four years. I mean, I'm not paying $200. A $50 entry, I'm not paying $200 before I even have a chance to compete. I mean, that's dumb. Just enter a $200 league and buy, buy a win now team. I mean, draft a win now team. You're gonna do that, yeah. I mean, that's my that's that's just my take on this team. I just wouldn't build a roster like this. I, I agree. I, I well, I mean, I would build one like this, but it would be not QBs. It would be more wide receivers or, or wide receivers, running backs. But so this actually seems more like the youth movement team. Yeah. One above, I would flip these two. Um where the top one's probably going to be more productive struggle. I th- I actually don't mind this build because you have four QBs under the age of, what, 27, 26? Mm-hmm. How old is Dak? 26. Um, and then you have Stafford, who, 32 now. Uh, Taylor, obviously a rookie. Ruggs a rookie. Fant going into his second season. And you have three 21, 21 firsts. This is the youth one. Um and I actually don't mind the amount of quarterbacks, if only because you have five potential starting QBs 
if we learn anything from John, it's that QBs gain value, only gain value after after the startup draft. And you're looking at, I mean, you'll you'll have four starters at the very least, and possibly five by the middle of the season. And if somebody goes down, you can trade one of those guys for probably a decent amount, like a decent piece. Um, but I just, I actually like this roster a little bit. If it, um, the only complaint is it's QB heavy, <laughs> um, which means value heavy, right? But at the very least, you have Taylor, who I think can be an RB one season one behind arguably the best offensive line in the NFL right now. Um, the one pick that I think you messed up on was rugs. He can't be your wide receiver one. I don't know if he's going to be a wide receiver one in this league. Um, I, I just, there's too many question marks for me with him, for him to be the, your wide receiver one. So, but you can fix that with the guys that are left on the board. Like I said, Adam Thielen's available. T.Y. Hilton's available. A.J. Green. Um, There are wide receiver twos, potential wide receiver ones available right now that you probably need to go out and get. Uh, The same with the running backs. I mean, now that you have a guy that I feel more comfortable with than Akers to be the RB1 on this team, like a James Conner and then a Mark Ingram, and let's say Boston Scott following up with those three, I don't hate it. And then Fant, I think, is due for a big season in his sophomore season. So I don't hate it. Um, this is more youth movement. So I think this team will be ready as early as next season. I don't think you win this year, but as early as next season, this team would be ready to compete. So if, if that's the case though, you know, if, if you don't, if you don't see a way for this team to compete in 2020, why wouldn't you take the productive struggle approach? I guess that's the question. And the, the problem, you know, kind of the, so, I mean, I I think part of the the context though is uh, because I mean, again, like I think that you could rebuild it. Like if you're going to draft Adam Thielen, the only he doesn't make sense on a productive struggle team because you're probably going to have to look to replace him again in 2021. So if you're going to go productive struggle, to me, you finish off this draft with young guys. I think Deontay Johnson makes a ton of sense. Uh, you know, all of these rookie wide receivers make a lot of sense. Some of these rookie running backs make some sense. AJ Dillon is a great one for a productive struggle type of team. So the 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 thing is though, if you are going to go productive struggle this year, I mean, you know, first of all, Matthew Stafford, Matthew Stafford gets traded either way, but like, I mean, I think that I would probably like Jonathan Taylor. I think he would be on the block for me. Um, I might tear down from Dak Prescott. I don't want to completely get out, but you know, I think that I might look to move from Dak Prescott to, I, I, you know, and a name that keeps coming up for us and, and we get accused of Homerism here, but drew lock, I mean, make the trade of Dak Prescott to drew lock. Like you combine, like you package Dak Prescott and Henry Ruggs for drew lock. And I mean, you're probably going to get pretty much any wide receiver you want. 
So, like, yeah, I, I hear, I guess the difference between productive and struggle and youth movement is kind of blurry, right? Um, because I think this team can be can be productive struggle. Well, they will win some games, but aren't necessarily contender. But you now have those three 2021 20, firsts where you can continue to build next season and be, like I said, a potential contender as early as next season. So I think it, the difference between youth movement and productive struggle is what route you go. Right. So, so to if, me, if he went, if he went like Thielen, I think that would be productive struggle. And and I think it depends on when the draft is like, okay, we're in the middle. We're talking about startup draft strategies. If you're going to, I, nobody should be trying productive struggle right away. I just, I, that doesn't make sense to me. You're either going to go youth or you're going to go win now. That's the only two options for me that, that should exist in terms of startups. Um, well, so, so by by your definitions, just real quick, just for some clarification here, productive struggle and youth movement sound kind of like they're they're the same thing in your mind. They so you, they like can you, you be. Can be you can be young and you can still compete in year one. I agree so, with that. So like youth movement, it it doesn't necessarily mean you're not gonna win. In, in year one. I think you can win with a young roster. You're not going to win with all rookies, but you can win with a young roster. You, Whereas productive you, struggle essentially means you're purposely not going to win games. It's, it's I mean, it's a little bit of a, a, a shrouded way of saying you're tanking. I see that, but then, the, then it's a rebuild. That's why I don't, Sorry, no, Ryan. you can. You Sorry, can Ryan. You can rebuild in a month. I don't like the word the words productive struggle because that just to me means if you're being if you're productive struggle, it means you're winning a few games and you're and you're kind of replacing the pieces as you go, um, which I guess doesn't make sense to me. Why would you ever do that? It's it's more of a long term rebuild because the thing is you can rebuild in in no time, especially here in a non point scoring season. You can rebuild, like I said at the top, you can rebuild a roster by September. But if you're going to go productive struggle, you don't want to rebuild it right now. You want to you want it to be a slow burn where you're rebuilding it over the course of the season so that you're ready in 2021 with this young solid roster. What well, and so the, that's where the confusion gets me is out of a startup you shouldn't be having productive struggle, I guess. Um, but at the end of the day, aren't we all technically kind of in productive struggle where we should be cycling our players fairly regularly? I mean, keep your players for two, three seasons, but then you got to kind of cycle out, especially at running back. So technically we're all quote unquote in productive struggle, right? No, you're still being, you're still, you're still continuously building that roster. Yeah. So we're all in rebuild. At all times, we should be in. And we should be, time. yeah. I mean, you should. I mean, struggle again. I mean, to me, that implies that you're literally not trying to win games. You're not trying to get to the playoffs, and, and I, you're not trying to compete for a championship. I guess. I guess they're synonymous to me. Productive struggle. The way I define rebuild and productive struggle, um, I think are synonymous with me. So really, I don't think we're, we're getting in the weeds with semantics here. Well, and that's fine. I'm at the end of the day, this is a very young. So this is like the team that 
after you've sold off all of your assets or as at what you could, this is the team that you would build in year one of the rebuild. Mm-hmm. Um, and then rugs or, or those young players get another year and they get more experience and they get better in the NFL. And, and that's where you start to contend is like year two of a rebuild. Um, but this is to me is more youth youth movement oriented where it's like rugs. I'm getting Haskins fans question marks around these young guys. So I don't expect to win right now. You can't, you absolutely can win with youth. I mean, if you had Chris Godwin and DJ Moore, you had Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, those type of type top in talents, but you can't, it's hard to get those top end talents that are so young all together on one team, obviously, because those guys at the top that are that good and that young are being taken earlier where you're not going to be able to combine a lot of these young productive players. So for me, it's rebuild, but this is a, the, like the, this is the youth movement coming out of the startup um, for me, because like I said, youth movement de- define the definition of youth movement to me is, you know, that you possibly won't compete. You very easily could, but you possibly won't compete for this year, but you are building for 2021 and beyond. Whereas productive struggle is like, oh, I still have some vets. I'm going to try and win now, but keep enough youth on my team that I can cycle through these vets and still stay competitive for multiple years. Yeah, and I I flipped those, but I'm. what about you, Brian? What are you trying to do with this roster? You know, finishing the draft, and then by September, is your goal going to be to turn this into a contender? Are you going to rebuild this in time for the start of the season? Or are you going to lean into a productive struggle approach and start kind of trading away some of these guys and uh, trying to, um, you know, trying to, to load up on rookies in second year, maybe even third year players, at, at, you know, depending on the position? And, uh, you know, just, just try and get young that and ready for 2021 yeah so i i think for me i'm i'm probably definitely i mean i'm selling stafford i mean it, it's mm-hmm. it's like you guys said i mean i'm i'm selling stafford and kind of either yeah, way right right either way and i mean i i think the thing the thing for me is you can do i i, I would agree with stompy i think this is more of a a youth movement than a productive struggle right because like to me they're the same suck thing. it john no they're the same thing but here <laughs> but here's the thing john here's the thing productive uh-huh. struggle okay yeah. the productive part of productive struggle is that your young players are getting better they're you know they're approaching their breakout age they're appro- approaching their breakout year which is going to be 2021 like that's the productive part of productive struggle. Yeah, but there's too many rookies on this team for me to do that though. Like it's one thing to target young players. Like here's, here's why I hate rookies. Here's why I hate rookies in general. I like the idea of rookies. They're shiny new toys, right? They're, they, I mean, they, it's, it's wonderful. And then you get a strong class like this. And it's like, holy smokes, man, you can, you can turn your whole franchise around and you can, but Tom, you, you, you can, but Stompy talked about hit rates, right? And how, how low they are <laughs> overall with, you know, I mean, yeah, you got one or two guys, three guys, every, every class that'll end up being very good fantasy players. Um, if you're lucky, maybe a couple more outside of that, eh, 
So I don't understand targeting rookies when you can target like like rugs. Right. And, and again, I don't know where exactly these guys are all being taken, but like I would rather target Cortland Sutton. I would rather target Terry McLaurin. I would rather target guys that are young too. I mean, these are second year plus second and third year players, but they've already produced at an elite level in the National Football League. So why why target a guy like Henry Ruggs when you could have gotten Terry McLaurin? Terry McLaurin is still on the board. And 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 I get it, Washington. I hate Washington too. It's it's kind of a mess. But like you're hoping that Henry Ruggs might become what Terry McLaren already is. So why assume the additional risk of that when you are, I mean, look, McLaren did that with crap at quarterback. No offense to, to those guys. I mean, they're whatever they're professional athletes and they make millions of dollars and good for them. But I mean, literally it was awful and Terry McLaren produced. So that's his floor. What you saw last year's his floor. That's his floor. Dwayne Haskins improves, or they move on from him and they bring in a you know a, a better quarterback. And that dude, you, you know what I'm saying? I just I don't understand. I don't like risk. I, I just don't understand taking the risk on a rookie when you could buy a second year player. Well, you know, I would rather buy Miles Sanders than take a chance with Jonathan Taylor. And I know that's probably that's probably sacrilege. No, it's Homer. Has- it's a Homer. Just say you're a Homer. Okay, I would consider consider <laughs> maybe Jonathan Taylor's not the best the best example either because he's he's a stud. But I would rather have Josh Jacobs than Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Yeah, no. it's close. It's close for me right now. Tell me, oh, man. But here's Woo. the thing. Here's see, I just I don't I don't understand. I don't understand. This is we're, we're going to get on a tangent. I'm not even going to go there. We we need to talk about Edward Slayer after this. Eh, after the show, we'll talk about Edward Slayer. Um, but 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 there's a lot of risk there. The the safety of Clyde Edwards Hilaire is that he's in Kansas City. That's the safety. Mm-hmm. But but I don't like putting safety on situations because situations change so quickly in the National Football League. So. You know, I'm going to go with guys that have shown that they can do it in the league. Typically, Jonathan Taylor's a little bit of an exception. A guy like Saquon Barkley is a little bit of an exception. Um, how did I? You know, you struck that. You have always, always. Are you kidding me? I'm, a, I'm a professional it's at like this. Like a Saquon ninja. Barkley. I am. It's Saquon ninja. Um, um, but yeah, I, I just, I don't. This, this team for me, I mean. I'm targeting additional young players, but not any more, probably not any more rookies. I mean, it's got to be second, third, fourth year players that are still young, but they have shown that they can produce. Um, And then depending on how the rest of the draft shakes out, I would consider moving those first too for additional players. So you're trying, it just depends. So you're trying to win in 2020. No, you can't win with this team in 2020. I I think then, you can, then, but then it, why trade the twenty twenty ones? You couldn't get closer. Yeah, I mean, if you trade the twenty twenty ones and Stafford well, for a, a yeah, you but know, why would I mean if you? So, we, don't, I, we don't want to be close, right? Like we all agree on on the fact that, like, if it, you don't want to be in the middle of the pack, like you you make the moves that are going to help you contend, 
or else, I mean, you're kind of better off being towards the bottom, right? Yes. I would agree with that. Yeah. So that's, so that's my thing is I don't, I don't know why you would trade away the 2021 first, unless you're going to do it for win now pieces. When you, it, you know, in a situation where you feel like this roster can win now. And, you know, and, and that's the whole thing like that. That's where productive struggle comes from. And that's where he's, he's wondering if maybe that is something that he should lean into. Just accept the fact that this isn't a roster that can win in 2020, which I don't agree with, by the way, but this isn't a roster right now that can win in 2020. So why, why even try? Why not just wait until 2021 when Henry Ruggs is in his second year, which is, you know, typical breakout year for a wide receiver. Got Jonathan Taylor in his second year, which, you know, very likely means that by that point, he's the workhorse, if not the bell cow. You know, you've got an extra year for each of these quarterbacks. Um, You, you, you know, we, you, you know what you've got with Justin Herbert, you know what you've got with Dwayne Haskins, you know what you've got with Baker Mayfield at that point. And, you know, so, and then plus you've got these three 2021 firsts that you can use on, you know, possibly running backs. Those could end up being the top three picks in the 2021 draft. You take away, uh, you know, you come away from that with, it, you know, if you want, I mean, I, it's probably quarterback at the top of that draft, but you know, as, there's a chance here that you go Travis Etienne, Chuba Hubbard, and Najee Harris with those picks, and all of a sudden, you know, you've got all these guys with that extra year uh, under their belts. They're ready to perform now. They're all at breakout age in, in their breakout year. You just added running backs who are going to perform in 2021. And all of a sudden, this is a this just became a contender. So that's the idea behind productive struggle. And we're kind of trying to figure out if that's the route that he should consider going. I'm still having so many issues with the definition of productive struggle. It doesn't make sense (laughs) in my head. This I I guess for, for me, this could be productive struggle if you start drafting a different way, or it can be youth movement if you um I I guess for me, productive struggle. Productive quick, struggle have to be movement, at- youth movement and productive struggle are the exact same thing. The only mm. difference is it, like, you could have a young team that competes this year. You could have a, a like Brian said, you you load up on second and third year guys, you know, when they're in their breakout age, maybe they've even, we've already got their breakout. You know, you've got guys like Calvin Ridley um, and AJ Brown. Like that to me, that's still a youth movement team that's, comp- you know, possible, uh, a possible contender in 2020. The difference is, you know, productive struggle is, is Henry Ruggs because he's not going to do anything here in 2020. And we don't want him to. In this case, we don't want him to. We want a, a good high draft pick in 2021. We're not trying to win games in 2020. We're going to wait until Henry Ruggs hits his breakout year. Can we? <laughs> so I think it depends on what your definition of the word productive is. And now I sound like Bill Clinton. It depends yeah. on what your definition of is is. <laughs> um, but the, the we need we need to get a a 
if we're going to attribute this to Ryan McDowell, we need to get a true definition of productive struggle. Cause the way, when I hear productive struggle, that means that I can still compete while trying to gain youth later or by selling off my old picks. So that what, always seems like productive struggle? struggle to me. What's the struggle then? That you have to figure out when to sell guys that you have to continue to turn around your roster. That's, that's all dynasty teams. I didn't. I, that's and I said that earlier that all of us are in <laughs> productive struggle. I, I don't. Agree I, I guess I, I I think the issue for me is timing. It's coming out of a draft like this. I don't think there is a productive struggle. I think productive struggle becomes a thing when you start to rebuild. When you actually start selling off assets, you start gaining those young assets and those um those uh, picks. And that becomes the productive struggle after you've got, gotten out of the startup draft um, and probably after your first season. Uh, the way that he is building this team, I think he should continue, and I agree with Brian here, is continue to go youth. Um, use Stafford as trade bait in the middle of the season when, when a quarterback inevitably goes down and sell Stafford, who is the on the older side here. I almost – I don't even know if I love that, though. I would – Say, because he, I mean, he's still probably good for three, four years at this point. And we, there's no guarantee about Haskins or Herbert, right? Or Baker for that matter. Let's be realistic here. So I don't love the idea of trading Stafford here, but let's say Dak, Baker, and Haskins all show up and show prog, or let's say Baker and Haskins show progress. Dak is already top five dynasty wide receiver. Then I feel comfortable selling. Stafford. Other than that, this is all. This is a young team. This is this is youth movement in my in the definition in my head, mm. where you, <laughs> well, we'll we'll put the in my subjective definition where you put uh, emphasis on getting young players, and then hoping to compete in the next year or two. But I understand what you're saying is that they're all basically similar definitions. It's just like. Uh, there's just so many different like sub ways to build your team that like he, he looks great here for the future. And then if he was able to, like I said, add an Adam Thielen and add um, a T.Y. Hilton or I mean, you get where I'm going with this. This team could actually compete this year and beyond. So uh, to me, he can should cons consider continuing the youth movement by um <laughs> Well, no, seriously, like I, this to me is defined as youth movement right now. And the reason is, is because he's so young that you may as well just continue that. And like Brian said, get second or, or get a year two, year three players, maybe gets a couple more rookies and build it that way. So you in the next couple of seasons, you can start to compete. Um, that's how I would do it. But like I said, you can compete this year very easily with what's left on the board. Okay. We finally kind of got to a place where we're all on the same page. I'm so I'm this is like the most like genuinely pissed I've ever been. I'm kind of like looking around for something because metal. you can't divide it's productive like, struggle you, for me. Get, you've get got, Ryan like, McDowell on the it. phone. I've done it so many times. Get here. Ryan McDowell. Got, like, no, that's like, your subjective. I know that uh, you've got like a gong or a symbol or something that when that, you get pissed off, you hit it, you just that, like slam it. And I don't have that. And I'm it's. That is only frustrating me more here. It's called but, weed, man. Um, and you have it there in Colorado. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> it's your subjective opinion. 
or subjective definition. I want to get the true definition because there's two ways to interpret productive your way and my way. And there's got to be, there's one right and one wrong. We should just get the true definition of by Ryan McDowell. I think Brian's getting kind of sick of me and you going back and forth. (laughs) No, it's all good. All good. I love it. This is the banter. Hey, the banter is what makes this show baby. So, yeah, but like I said, at the end of the day for, uh, startup drafts uh, and and my i guess plan with those is there's only really two ways you should be doing things it's you build youth and be compete in the future which means that you're trading back and you're garnering those um those picks and then you can get some rookie picks in year two year three guys maybe even your four guys Productive. or or you could, I hate you so much. You tried to slip it in there. Um, and then, or, or you're building win now. Those are the only ways that you should be building your roster. Okay. So, so I want to jump in here real quick because I've been thinking about something the whole show. <laughs> and with what Stomp just said, I want to jump in. So I, yeah. I, I think there's a third. So I think there's a third way to build rosters startup. And 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 look, so I I have admitted that startup drafts are not my strength. <laughs> they are not my strength. It's 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 look, and, and one of the best things to do in playing this game is to understand your strengths and your weaknesses. What are you good at? What aren't you good at? Okay, I'm good at trading. I, I am. I, I do a ton of it. I usually come out with enough value that my teams are in good shape, whatever. Um, I'm not good at startup drafts and, and I'm not good at, I'm, I'm, I'm just not good at startup drafts. I'm, I get in, uncomfortable. Um, especially when I go into a draft with a strategy, when I go into a draft with a strategy, I always go into a draft with a strategy. You should, you should always go in with a draft with a strategy. But my best drafts are when I adapt to whatever happens during the draft. And I think obvious, I mean, that's a very obvious statement. Like you have to draft or you have to adapt to drafts. I mean, that's a very, I mean, that's an obvious statement, but I'll give you a perfect example. So we just did, we did a, a startup, uh, another, another trade addicts, startup trade addicts, eight, the Ocho. Um, and I, st- my first two picks were Patrick Mahomes, which I traded up for. So I lost, um, I lost some, I, I lost a third in that deal. Um, but so Patrick Mahomes and Joe Mixon were my first two picks. Okay. Young guys, um, you know, with, with a, I mean, studs, but, but, but younger players. Right. So I'm, I'm thinking, oh man, like definitely like I'm, I'm going for like the, the youth, the productive youth. Right. So, I mean, that's where I was headed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my next several picks and stomp you'll hate you'll hate my um you'll hate my my third pick or it was in the fourth round but i picked zach Ertz, and it is what it is but my but so so i have mahomes mixon my next four picks zach Ertz, aaron Rodgers, julio jones melvin gordon and i mean to- totally changed directions in the middle of the draft because the value of the players that and John, again, I know this is a this is a draft strategy show, yeah. and we're not talking necessarily about player values, but I think it's always important to remember that your draft strategy 
strategy can change based on the value of the players that fall into your lap. And in this case, these veterans that are elite talents fell into my lap. And when I added them to the youth picks that I started my draft with, I mean, it just, it, it made a whole lot of sense. And I would say I'm one of the top three teams in this league to start off. Um, and, and I feel really great about that. So it's, so it's important to have a strategy going in. It's just as important to be adaptable with your strategy, depending on the value that falls to you, uh, you know, where your picks are. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, so I, I don't like adapting to the draft, but that is kind of the point of this entire thing is just to figure out, you know, once you get kind of, you know, about a third of the way through your startup draft, you know, where, or, you know, quarter of a way through whatever, whatever we are here. Um, if you, if you were going to, going to adapt, how are you going to do it? Which direction are you going to go? Um, I think that's, uh, that's pretty important. And it sounds like you guys are still, you know, in, 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 I, overall, I agree with this. I think that what you guys are kind of saying here is eight rounds is not enough to dictate that you're going to be, you know, un unable to compete in 2020. It's way too soon to take that, you know, to commit to that idea. So, um, and, and I think that that's true, especially considering this really has been kind of some value-based drafting, like, You've got significant value, trade value with Stafford. Um, you know, you can tear down with Baker and Dak. Um, Jonathan Taylor's, you know, his his uh, his value right now is is extremely high for a guy who hasn't <laughs> even set foot on a field yet. So, you know, you you have some trade value here. You also have the rest of the draft. Um, so this could be a contender. Uh, as far as productive struggle goes there, you could also go that way. So I, I do think that you're at a crossroads here. I don't think that it's so cut and dry. I mean, obviously you can still turn this into a contender pretty easily, but you could take that productive struggle approach. And, and I think you can continue going, you know, particularly young, especially, you know, loading up on, on young quarterbacks, young wide receivers, young tight ends. Um, there, there are some running backs that I think fit the bill again, AJ Dillon, I think is a great one. I think, you know, he's probably not going to see the, the field a lot in 2020, but in 2021, he probably owns that job like without any one of, of any kind of significance behind him. Um, you know, Darrington Evans is, is to me, he's in kind of the same boat. So, you know, there, there are those guys that, those running backs that still make sense for that type of roster. Uh, but overall, I think the main focus is on wide receivers and tight ends. You want young guys. And it, you know, if, if, if that's what you're going to do though, I think you lean into it. I don't, when you trade Matthew Stafford, I don't think you do it for a win now type of piece. I think you trade Matthew Stafford for another young player. It could be somebody who helps you in year one, it could be somebody who helps you in 2020, you know, again, Calvin Ridley is a great example. Like he's, and, and I think you should get more for Matthew Stafford than just Calvin Ridley, but 
if you you could trade Matthew Stafford for the guys in that range, I you might be able to get Juju Smith Schuster or AJ Brown for Matthew Stafford. I think you should be able to. You should be able but to. You will not. <laughs> you might not. You might not, but you should be able to. That's the type of deal I'd be looking for. And those are the type of guys who make sense for a productive struggle roster. Uh, just because they're young and they're still going to be, you know, if they're not at their peak yet, they're going to be there in 2021. And again, then like that gives you the ability to, first of all, start trading away some of this quarterback depth, um, possibly even trade away some wide receiver depth uh, in 2021. That's when you go into rebuild mode is after the 2020 season, you take advantage of all that value on your roster. You take advantage of those draft picks and you turn them into running backs who are going to help you in 2021. So I, I think it's a very valid strategy. It's just, th to me, this is a time to lean into it. And that's been the whole purpose of this episode is to, you know, to, to kind of figure out how you're going to adapt after eight rounds. If you're going to deviate from whatever strategy you took into uh, the draft, I think this is the time to do it. And I think that there are a lot of different ways that you can go depending on your roster build. So obviously that went way longer than we than we intended. Uh, seems like that happens to us every single week, especially when you get this particular crew together. Um, it's a, it's just a very very vocal group. <laughs> so um, we do want to we still want to get to. We've got some rookie strategies to talk about, and we still have a few of your listener questions that we want to get to. So we're going to break this up into two episodes, make it a little bit more manageable for you, but we are going to come right back and finish up on this topic. And with that, we will return. <laughs> 